Good morning, everybody. How are you? Yeah, tired. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. It's been a week. It's been a week in my house. My wife is at home with my children right now. My daughter had a fever yesterday, and um, so you can be praying for them. I've I've also heard tell of a few other things that have been going on in our, uh, some people here have been sick and whatnot, so we can just be praying for each other. Tis the season, as they say. Well, my name is Nathan Harris. I'm one of, or I am the, the lead pastor here at, at Celebration Center. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being here, for making uh, us part of your Sunday morning. We know that you could do a lot of other things, but you decided to come here, and that's a big deal because I believe God is going to say some things to us today, and I'm excited because we are actually in part three of our series, Better Together. If you don't have notes or you want to take notes, uh, like Katie said, there's some notes on the little black stool back here by the sound booth. You feel free to go on up and get those if you want. But uh, this, this series, Better Together, if you haven't been around the past couple of weeks, is, it's based on one of our core values called Better Together. Oh, very, very intriguing there. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, Better Together is one of our core values here at Celebration Center. And what that means is that we want this value of better together to be something that guides us. It guides what we do and how we do what we do. So it's more or less a measuring stick. Are we being better together? Are we being better together in ministry? Are we being better together in our families? Are we being better together just in relationship together? Okay, And so we want to make this part of what we do. Here's how we say it at Celebration Center. People matter to God, so we pursue authentic relationships, healthy families, ministry, and teams, and we do life with one another in small groups. So here's our big idea for the series. We are better together when we grow whole, healthy relationships. Because we we put it that way because this value of better together is all about relationships. We want to be relational. We don't want to be relationally, uh, oh, what, what's a good word for it? Kind of crazy, I guess, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we all know Thanksgiving's coming up, and usually when that happens, you get the family together, and what happens? The fight breaks out at some, some point about something, right? I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, that's what families do sometimes, but we don't want to just, we don't want to do that kind of relationship. We want to do the kind of relationship where we are growing healthy together. And we do that, or we are better together when we grow whole and healthy relationships. And the why behind this is we saw in the first week is that God created humans as a community. In other words, it's, it's part of who we are. We are actually less human when we're not in relationship and in community with other people. Because God made us to be a community. He said in Genesis 1, let us create mankind, all right? Men and women together in community. That's, that's part of what it means. But he created us for a purpose as well. We saw that in week one as well. That we are to join God as we're in relationship with him and with each other. We're to join God in his purpose, in his plan, in carrying out his mission in the world. So we are a, we are a community on mission. And so it's important for us to be better together. Last week in part two, we talked about how love 
is the key ingredient. Have you ever tried to make something? Have you ever tried to cook something at home only to discover that your key ingredient was missing? It, it's kind of hard, right? You can't make steak without the steak, right? I'm, I'm a steak fan, so I loved, I loved Katie's idea there. Um, but I, 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 I love steak. There's been a time or two when I've thought, you know what, I'm just going to pull one out of the freezer. I'm going to throw it on the barbecue or I got the barbecue going, all of that. But then I go to pull it out and it's not there. Well, we cannot be better together without love. It's the key ingredient. And if you missed either of the past couple of weeks, I want to encourage you, go to our website, ccpuallup.com. Click on the sermon podcast link, and then you can get caught up. I, I encourage you to do that. It would be really, really good. This morning, I want us to focus on a specific application of Better Together. Something that we can put into practice. So, to get us going this morning, I've got a question. How many people here have ever been at, at a place in your life or a time or situation or whatever when all you wanted to do was run and hide from your situation? Raise your hand. I've, I've done that. I think I did that this week. <laughs> there are times when we just want to hide, right? Sometimes it's just too hard. Sometimes it's emotionally difficult. Sometimes it's a relationship thing. Sometimes it's, it's a financial thing. And so we do things that run and hide. I remember uh, a few years ago, my wife and I discovered, well, I discovered a, a bulge growing in my front yard. Have you ever seen that? Something like that happen in your front yard or your lawn. You get this, all of a sudden, there's just this bulge that wasn't there. And it, it, it literally happened overnight, okay? And I was thinking, man, that's a big gopher. Thank you, Zanina. <laughs> no, it, and it turned out it wasn't a gopher. What had happened was we actually had in uh, uh, Spokane, there, I don't know what it's like here, but uh, with the frost line and everything, you actually have to bury your, uh, your water lines fairly deep, about five to six feet underground, okay, so that they don't freeze and break. That's the idea. Well, what happened was the water, a coupler from the, the street to the house broke. And so this bulge in my front yard was water. <laughs> and I knew that wasn't good. So I got on the phone and I called the company. I said, hey, help. And they said, sure, we can do this. We got an easy fix for this. They come out, they dig the hole about six feet deep. They replace the coupler and, and, and they, they, we pay hundreds of dollars. They fill this thing back in and, and, and they go about their business. I kid you not, it was like two days later, there was another bulge in the front yard <laughs> in the same spot. And I'm thinking, you're kidding me, <laughs> right? You're kidding me. And so we ended up, we called that company back and said, hey, and they said, not our problem. And, and, and so we ended up calling another company and this other company had to come in and they did what is called trenchless line replacement where they actually, they, they still dig a hole, but they pull a new line through the old one, breaking up the old one in the process. And it just, it follows, it follows the line of, of the original line. Okay. Of where it's at. And it worked. It was much more, it was a much more detailed and expensive fix than the original fix was. 
How many people here have ever looked for quick fixes to their problems? We do that, right? We want quick fixes. How many times do those quick fixes genuinely work out well? Eh, Not so much, right? Right? Looking for an easy way out comes at a cost. For us, we ended up paying a lot more money, right? Because we, we actually wanted to avoid the more difficult fix. If we can fix it with the, with the cheaper thing, let's do that. And it didn't work out too well for us. In the New Testament, in a book we call Hebrews, it's a, it's a letter, it's written to a group of Christians who are experiencing something like that. Many of them were hiding from a situation they actually needed to face, okay? Now, there's some question as to whether or not they were facing persecution and, and it, from the pagan world, and so to escape that persecution, they just began abandoning their meetings together, all right? That's, that's one theory, and some of that was probably happening, but another idea is that many of the people there just kind of got lost in the daily grind, You ever get lost in the daily grind of things? You know, life just becomes this monotonous over and over and over and you just get worn out and you're tired and you're like, I I don't even want to deal with these things over here. I just, I'm, I'm just done. And so the idea is that some of them at least probably were experiencing that. They were doing the daily things, the everyday things, just like you and I do. And, and they got to a place where they just, they were like, I'm too tired, (laughs) I need to have a break. And so they, they, they decided to give up meeting together that way. My point is, there was, there was a fix that they needed, okay? And then there was the fix that they pursued. And that's what the author is going to address here. And, and whether we can identify with the persecution and, and trying to hide from that, or we can identify with just the daily grind and wanting some, a break and, and some peace and quiet and rest, the, what we're going to hear this morning has a lot to say to us. So here's our main thing for this morning. We are better together when we pursue faith, hope, and love. We are better together when we pursue faith, hope, and love. We're going to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, specifically verses 19 to 25 this morning. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and turn there. We are going to see in this passage how we actually become better as we pursue faith, hope, and love. Here's how the author puts it. Verse 19, therefore, I'm reading from the NIV, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence. That word confidence there, I don't know how, what translation you're using, but it, it, it can be a really good translation of it is authorization, since we have authorization, okay? It's not just, it's not just hey, I, I feel good about this. It's, I get to do this. Have you ever been kept out of uh, or denied access? Have you ever been denied access to someone or something because you didn't have enough clearance or the right credentials, right? We can't just walk up to the president of the United States. Why? Well, we don't have the clearance to do that. I remember one time I actually went to a University of Oregon football game. They won. Go Ducks. Um, 
this particular, oh, I heard the booze. I heard it. I heard it. All right. Um, but I went to this game that they won. And after the game, I was invited into a special inner circle. It was a bunch, basically it was a bunch of boosters who got to go and eat a meal together. And here at the time, this was when Mike Bellotti was the coach of uh, the Ducks. Um, he, he showed up at this meeting. Now I would literally at no other time in my life have any kind of access to this particular setting. But because somebody who I knew had access, they were able to get me in. And it was actually kind of fun. I got to eat lots of cool food and, and hear some stuff on the inside that, that, that people just sitting in the stands don't typically get to hear. That's kind of what, what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, since we have authorization to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Here's, here's, here's what he's saying. Where we did not have access to God, where we did not have authority to go in, we now do through Jesus. And there's all kinds of imagery that, that is behind this that the author of Hebrews is talking about. The specific one is the yearly sacrifice that the Jews would make where only the high priest could go in and approach God, could have access to God. All right, Nobody else was allowed to do this. And now all of a sudden the author of Hebrews says this is thrown wide open. We all get to have access. We all get to have authority through Jesus. There's nothing between us and God. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, all right, so we've got, we now have this authorization, but now we also have this person who is over the house of God. The, when it talks of Jesus being the priest, it's talking about Jesus administering God's household. God, Jesus taking care of things in the household, specifically us. He's present. He's actively sustaining relationship with us. And because of Jesus and his role, what he has done, who he is, we have this access. Okay? So you're seeing a pattern here. Through Jesus, we have full access to God and are welcomed into God's family with the full rights and privileges of family because of Jesus. All right? This is pretty cool stuff. This is really good. And the author of Hebrews has just summed up basically the entire book of Hebrews up to this point, just in these few verses. That's why it was important for us to read this. Because of these things, because these things are true, he is now going to give us some more instruction. Verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He says, because of all that Jesus has done, because of who Jesus is, continually enter worshipfully. 
with a singularly focused heart of loving God with all we are faithfully. Continue to do that. That's what he says here. Let us draw near. He says, worship constantly, continually with the full assurance that faith brings. So here, if you are taking notes, here's the first thing on your outline. The first thing we need, if we are going to pursue faith, hope, and love, is we need, number one, to actually live in love. Or, excuse me, live in faith. We'll get to the love part in a little bit here. We've got to live in faith. Faith, oftentimes in our culture anyway, is the idea is looked at more like wishful thinking, isn't it? I saw a, uh, a statistic recently for the, the Mega Millions jackpot, right? The lottery. That the chances of, of any one person actually winning that were one in 302,575,350. Now imagine taking those odds, saying, I think this is a pretty sound financial investment, and going for it. So you're saying there's a chance. Right? I mean, that's basically what it is. And a lot of people look at faith that way. So you're saying there's a chance. But that's not faith. That's not biblical faith. We don't sit and we don't go to God and say, gimme, 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 gimme. We don't say, I hope, I hope, I hope, please, please, please. Our faith is based on something other than wishful thinking or long shots. It's based on Jesus granting us authority into the very presence of God. We need to live in faith. Faith has nothing to do with wishful thinking and everything to do with purposeful living. Let me say that again. Faith has nothing to do with wishful thinking and everything to do with purposeful living. It's living our lives in obedience to God in response to what he has accomplished for us through Jesus. That's faith. That's what the author of Hebrews talks about. Many of us have probably heard this verse from chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And all of that has to do with living a life in a particular direction, specifically in obedience to God. We need to live in faith. Sometimes it's just a little bit. I don't know about you, but I still have a long way to go in my faith. I've got to grow. I've got to grow a lot, and that's okay. I remember one time I was in New York City, got to go for a conference, and the people I was with, we went out on the town um, and we wanted to see some of the sites, and so we talked about going to the Empire State Building and going up on top, which was really cool. We did do that, but on our way to the Empire State Building, even though I had never, ever been in New York before, I was so sure I knew which building we were headed for that I guided the group. 
I ended up guiding them to the Chrysler building. I, I was sure I knew where we were going to go, what we needed to do, all right? And for whatever reason, apparently I was confident enough that they all thought, hey, he knows what he's talking about. Let's do what he says. So confidence does not equal faith, okay? But our confidence, where we put our confidence, is part of our faith, Where's your confidence? Where's your confidence? Is your confidence in what you can accomplish? Or in what, has, or what God has accomplished for you? Where's your faith? Where's your confidence? To pursue faith, hope, and love, we need to live in faith. We need to put our confidence in Jesus, in God, every day, in every way, in big things and in little things. As we go about our daily lives, as we're making decisions about what we're going to do, where we're going to go, the, the, the things we're going to be involved in. God, what do you think? Jesus, where are you leading me, and then obediently following him. We need to live in faith, but that's not all. Number two on your outline. We need to live in hope. We need to live in hope. Now, hope is another one of those things that lots of people look at and want to think it's, it's more like wishful thinking, right? How many times have we said, oh man, I, I really hope and fill in the blank, works out, right? It can be our sports, our favorite sports team. It can be, it can be a, a, you know, maybe a, about a job that we get. I hope I get this job. Why? Because then my life is going to become fulfilled, at least for a moment. Growing up, my family had a miniature dachshund. Anybody been around miniature dachshunds before? Little dogs with attitude, uh, this dog, I've got all kinds of stories about this dog, but I remember one thing about him is that he was very tenacious. He was sure of what he wanted, and he went after it. One time, my brother's girlfriend, he's, who's now his wife, uh, brought over one of those giant monster cookies. I'm not talking about one of, I, this isn't a monster cookie, that's like a snack. I'm talking about one of these pizza-sized cookies, chocolate chip cookies, and my, my brother set it on his bed, and guess what? Oh, and the other thing I forgot to mention about this little dachshund, we named him Oscar, as in Oscar Meyer. So, um, yes, you can get your laugh out there. But Oscar, our little wiener dog, he gets up on my brother's bed, and he proceeds to eat this pizza cookie. All right, chocolate chip. How many know that chocolate doesn't mix well with dogs? He didn't die. I don't know how, I don't know why, but this dog did not die. All right, he was very tenacious. He, went, he saw what he wanted and he went after it. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. 
for he who promised is faithful. So when we're told, let us hold unswervingly, we need to have a picture in, in our uh, head of a life that is stubbornly tenacious. It doesn't give up. It's dedicated to the future God promised because we have experienced the faithfulness of God. He's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful again. He's going to continue to be faithful. Therefore, I can pursue with all I am his future. That's hope. Hope is living with the expectation that what has been promised will come to be, not because of anything that we can do, but because of the promiser. (laughs) Because of who God is, because of what he's like. My wife and I have gotten to the point where we don't typically tell our kids very far in advance anyway of some really fun stuff that we're going to do. You know why? Because they won't sleep. And because they won't sleep, guess who else doesn't get to sleep? Me, mom and dad, we don't get to sleep. Why? Because my kids are living in anticipation of this really cool thing that's going to happen. We recently took them to the coast We didn't tell them that we were going to the coast in part because we wanted to surprise them and it was really cool when we did surprise them. It was fun. But also in part because we knew that they would just be all about that and we would literally get nothing else done. No sleep, no school, nothing because they would just be all about going to the coast. When we live with hope, we are living with the expectation of the future right now. We live with the expectation of what's going to happen in the future. We're living with that right now. Hope lives in anticipation. It can't wait. So it starts on the things that can be done in order to prepare for what will be. That's what hope does. It lives in anticipation. Living in hope changes everything because our understanding changes. Our expectations change. We can go through all kinds of even really hard and difficult things because we have hope. Why? Because we know that there is a future. We know that there is something beyond where we are at. And so we begin to live like that future is a reality right now. And I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm talking about the reality that God is going to make all things right. And so now we begin to live a life of love and anticipation of everything being made right. Now we begin to live a life that lines up with kingdom values Because we can't wait for the kingdom. Because we can't wait for the fruition of everything that God has promised. We begin to enact it now. We live in hope. Number three, on your outline. If we are going to pursue faith, hope, and love, we need to live in faith. We need to live in hope, but we also need to live in love. 
We need to practice it. We need to do it. Last week, we talked about how love looks like Jesus. And we focused on a few things from 1 Corinthians 13. We looked at patience and how that has to do with making room for others. Right? Allowing them space to make messes, maybe of themselves and even of us a little bit. And not making excuses, but, but making room for them and allowing them space to learn and to grow. Kindness is all about doing things for people when they can't do for themselves. Keeping no records of wrong is, is, is about forgiving, not forgetting, but purposefully choosing to say, I am not going to hold this against you just as God has done for us in Christ. Here in Hebrews 10, we're given a very specific application of this picture of love. Here it is in verses 24 and 25. The author says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You guys, living in love is about a life of mutual encouragement. It's about encouraging one another. Now, whether we can identify with the possible scenarios of, of the house church in Hebrews of, of being in persecution, receiving that, and, and wanting to run and hide from that, or just being in the daily grind of life and getting tired and needing space and time off, or maybe it's something else. Uh, we find that we're confronted with some situation that just, it simply wears us out. We need to understand that to be better together, we must live in love. We live in this mutual encouragement. I remember um, there was a time I was in junior high. I was on the track team. Don't laugh. I wasn't a runner. I threw things. <laughs> okay? I, 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 yeah, shot put and discus and all of those kinds of things. And um, I remember one time at one meet, uh, there was a, a friend, a, a part of the team was running one of the long distance races. And I got the brilliant idea, man, it'd be really cool to, to, to just encourage her. And so I got a bunch of our team together and we literally on the inside of the track, not on the tracks, so we weren't interrupting the race, but on the inside of the track, we were running next to her around the track. And we were cheering her on. You can do this. You've got this. Keep it up. You're doing a good job. And then the meet organizers went and told our coach that, hey, you need to tell your kids to stop that. And so we couldn't do it anymore. But if the, I think that's kind of a picture of this life of love that the author of Hebrews is talking about, this mutual encouragement, this spurring one another on to love and good deeds. You've got this. You've got this. Not, not because of you, but because, remember, of where our faith and our hope is, right? And we're together. We're not going to let you fail. 
There might be some lessons that you got to learn. There might be some lumps that you've got to take along the way, but you're going to make it because we're here with you. When we do that, we actually begin to build this cycle of encouragement where we are, yes, encouraging others, but then also others are able to encourage us in the same ways. Because I don't know about you, but most of the time, I don't get it right. I need encouragement. I need somebody with me to, to step alongside me and say, let's do this. You've got this. You can do this. And we don't need less of this in the middle of our lives when things get busy. We actually need more of it. We need more of it. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I actually I saw that over the mayor's door one night. I, I, had seen, I had heard that and seen that, but I, I, I was very impressed because it's like the, the motto as you head out the door. If you want to go fast, go alone. We can do some things pretty well, or at least seemingly well, on our own, right? Now, I don't know about you, but lots of times those kinds of things for me end up like that bulge in my front yard, <laughs> and things have to be redone. They've got to be done again. But going together, man, we can go further than we possibly could ever imagine. Because there's something that happens in the community when we are encouraging one another. We're feeding off of each other's strengths and energy. That's the way God designed us. We need to live a life of love, specifically a life of mutual encouragement. So I've got some homework for us. You ready for it? I've got a challenge. This is for all of us. Me too. I'm, I'm new here myself. <laughs> so I'm part of this challenge. Out in the south lobby here, by the coffee maker, or the coffee machine, there, is, there are some... Uh, uh, clipboards, sign-up sheets on them. I am not asking you to, to sign away your life. I'm not asking you to make a commitment to every single Thursday night. I'm not asking you to do anything like that. These are simply informational gathering sign-up sheets. We're asking for your name, your phone number, your email address, and for you to write in there what kind of small group you would be interested in. Because here's what we're going to do. We want to talk to everybody. We want to see who might be able to lead something. And we want to see who might be able to get together. Okay? This is a very specific application of this message today. So, I want to encourage you after the service, go out there. Fill that out. Again, you're not promising anything. We're just gathering information right now. Let us know. And then somebody is going to talk to you, myself or one of the other leaders is going to talk to you about things. 
Sound good? All right. We need to live a life of faith. We need to live a life of hope. And we need to live a life of love. And what we find is that we do that all better within community together because we are encouraged to continue to obey. We are, conti- we are encouraged to continue to hope and to anticipate. And we are encouraged to continue to love. All right? So as a way for us to confirm our faith, hope, and love this morning, we're going to take communion together. So, uh, Jacob, if you want to come on up. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. We are going to pass out the communion elements today. In just a, a couple of minutes here, as the ushers are passing these out, Jacob's going to begin to play. We're going to sing the song, uh, Lord, I Need You. We're going to sing that together. One of the things that we're told to do is, is to reflect as we take communion. Why would we need to do that? Because as we take communion, we are proclaiming Jesus' death and resurrection. We are proclaiming that we are part of him, that he is a part of us, and that we are a part of each other. Okay? This is an act of community. So what I want you to do Go ahead and begin to pass those out, guys. As you receive the communion elements, just hold them. Hold the the bread, hold the juice, and we're going to take these together. As you hold them, let's sing this song together, and then I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to guide us through this time. Lord, we do need you. We need you more and more. We need you every day. We need you in ways that we don't even recognize. So God, I want to start and I want to say thank you, not just for your love, though that's amazing enough, but thank you that in your love you have provided for us in every way possible. That By your love, by your divine power, you give us everything we need for life and for godliness. Jesus, thank you that we have been given authorization and brought near through your body. Thank you that we get to have access, not because we do it well enough or right enough, but because you have provided the way. Because you have said, they're with me. Thank you so much for your broken body. That in obedience, you gave up for us. Let's take the bread together. Jesus, you said that Your blood is literally, it's the new covenant. It's the the sign. It's the symbol of your promises. And because of what you have promised, what you have done, 
we have hope. We have a living hope because you live. Thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood and that we are part of your people if we are part of you. Let's take the cup together. God, for everybody here, I ask that you would help us, that you would empower us, that you would embolden us to live a life of faith, of hope, and love, and to grow into these things more and more, that they would be a living reality and experience, not just on Sunday morning or in some special time, but every day of our lives, that we would take this faith, hope, and love throughout our, our weeks, our months, our years, our, on the other end of it, our moments. All because of who you are. Help us to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you're thinking, man, I want that. I want this hope. I want this living hope. I want the the life that God has to offer. I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it your own. Jesus, I want you. I put my trust in what you have accomplished. And I ask me to I ask you to make me your own. Make me part of your family. Draw me into you. And help me, let me be a person who's living this life of faith, hope, and love. Jesus, for anyone who made that prayer their own, I pray that you would give them your presence right now. By your spirit, just be with them. Fill them with your joy, with your peace, with your goodness, with your hope. God, thank you that we are yours and that you are ours and that together we get to live better together because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, I want to encourage you, go to the lobby, do that sign-up thing. Let's see what we might come up with, what might happen as we pursue better together. Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys next week.